0: What's up, crew? Welcome to Filming in Progress, the show that takes you backstage into the world of local businesses and the people who make them shine. We're honored to have Shane Wenzel, president and CEO of the Shane Homes Group of Companies, here today. With a background in marketing and a knack for innovation, Shane leads his companies while also shaping industry policy through organizations like Build Calgary and the Alberta Enterprise Group. Shane, thanks so much for being here.
1: Well, and thank you for having me.
0: I'm excited for our chat today. Uh, if you can start, can you just give me a brief history on how you got into real estate development?
1: <laughs> well, it actually goes back to uh, you know where the company came from. And uh, the company was formed in 1979 by, uh, by my father and his business partner at the time, Barry Balsley. Uh, they, uh, they, they, they worked themselves out of a job at, uh, at a company called NeonX Shelter, which was a Jimmy Pattison-owned company and they built mobile homes. Uh, but the writing was on the wall that that uh, that particular segment of the market was coming to an end. You know, there just wasn't enough, uh, just not not enough need for it. So uh, these two guys took their uh, their severance checks and they created Shane Homes, and from there it just it kind of grew. My father always wanted it to be kind of a family-owned and run business, and. And uh, slowly but surely, uh, you know, different members of the family started coming into it in various capacities, just based on their skill sets. I had to start at the bottom. I, uh, I became, you know, the marketing assistant for the company, learning under my father, and then eventually taking over that side of the business and starting to grow our marketing plans from there. Incredible. Yeah,
0: Was the business named after you, or how did that come about? The
1: business was named after me, uh, because I mentioned Cal's partner, Barry. Barry only owned 25% of the company, but Barry's grand plan in the scheme of things was if he was financially capable to retire at 55, he would. And in the year 2000, Barry decided that's enough. So he retired out of the business, and uh, it became wholly owned by our family.
0: How was it being born into a into an entrepreneurial family? I know you you mentioned your father there specifically.
1: Uh, You know, somewhat difficult at times because it's not only my father; my mother is uh, is very entrepreneurial herself. So you can imagine what what kind of the conversations were around the kitchen table as I was growing up. You know, it usually included a lot of business, like what was happening the next day, week, month, or year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that shaped you to become an entrepreneur at a young age before you even, you know, you had entrepreneurial tendencies, or was that kind of learned along, along the way? I think
1: I had entrepreneur, entrepreneurial tendencies, uh, and, it, and you learn a lot along the way. You pick up a lot by osmosis, but uh, there's only so much you can learn there. Eventually, you have, to, uh, you have to go and learn from others. You have to go back to, uh, to school as well and, you know, learn the tricks of the trade that way. So yeah, that was uh, that was kind of my upbringing was was learning how to be an entrepreneur and learning how to run a business.
0: Sometimes when when you're born into entrepreneurial families, you know, there's a bit of kickback, especially when you're a child. You know, oh, I don't want to learn from my parents or that sort of thing. Was that the case for you? I know you you said you mentioned school, and I know sales and marketing is in your background as well.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. You're young, you're brash, you think you know it all, and uh, typically you don't. <laughs> you do have to go and uh, and learn some skills from in, in other ways. And you know, I attended some courses at at uh, the University of Calgary, and uh, and also spent uh, uh, seven years in, in a tech group through Tech Canada. You know, and that certainly opened my eyes to uh, to how the growth of the company could become even more than just chain homes.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So through tech, that's interesting. That's um, that's you know there's plenty of groups out there that are that are uh, entrepreneurial focused, and they're becoming more popular these days. How was your experience with tech, and was that before you took over the company? And what what was the timeline there?
1: It was literally as I became president of the company, it uh, it it gave me the opportunity to get into a president CEO group, and uh, and learn from uh, from other businesses that had grown well past the size that we are today. Yeah, and I uh, I always relate that to probably the best experience that I've ever had because it gave you a different perspective. It wasn't just, you know, cocooned in what we know here. I was able to bring back some uh, some very different approaches to to how we grow and what that looks like moving forward.
0: And do you continue to be part of those kind of group, the tech specifically, or any groups like that?
1: Not at this point, no. I'm, uh, <laughs> I say I'm retired from tech. It doesn't mean I wouldn't go back, but at the time, I think I had learned everything I could, and, and uh, you know, a number of the senior members were starting to, say, retire or retire out of the group. So it just seemed fitting to kind of move, uh, move along as they, uh, as they kind of retooled with younger entrepreneurs. But, uh, you know, we remain close today and we actually still share a lot of business secrets. So it's been a huge benefit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, what would you say to people that are thinking about these groups? You know, I, I we talk about it a lot, but the, the, uh, you know, what was COVID was, was very segregating for a lot of people, especially business owners, and co- mm-hmm. trying to navigate that on their own and that sort of thing. Do you think being a part of those communities is beneficial to, to business owners, and, and how so?
1: I think that is the most important thing you could probably do. Yeah, because you can't come up with all these ideas on your own, and it's, uh, the best way to do it is to, uh, to live a learned experience from somebody else. And you'd be amazed how many people in the business community are prepared to share their experiences and how they got to where they were. I highly recommend it. I mean, if, uh, if you're worried about the cost, I would say don't be worried about the cost. It is well worth it.
0: Yeah. So you talked a little bit about um, you know starting in marketing when, mm-hmm. you, when you first joined the company. Uh, yes. How did that progress into, into becoming president?
1: <laughs> Slowly but surely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I started off as a marketing assistant, I sat at that level for about three years and uh, eventually moved up to kind of managing one person in the department. And uh, I think it came at a time when, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of marketing concepts were, were starting to grow and expand. Uh, I still remember, you know, placing my first classified ad in the Calgary Herald. I still remember rate cards, uh, you know, and just how it's changed from there and I still remember. You know, in 1996, uh, we came up with our first website, and my father harassed me for eight years as to why we had this thing and why it was costing us $30,000 a year to maintain. <laughs> but that's just what I was able to do as, as, I, as I grew in that role and, uh, and eventually became the, uh, the VP of Sales and Marketing. You know, you were able to take, uh, you know, new initiatives like that and expand upon it and, uh, and become more of a leader in the marketplace. You know, so that was uh, that was a fun experience growing up that way and learning that way. But, you know, uh, again, I credit a lot of uh, you know just uh, carrying on with uh, with education to go from you know the VP of Sales and Marketing to the President's level. You know, that prepared me for uh, for taking on a larger role and and understanding that you know I had to take my hands out of the day to day of uh, sales and marketing and and focus more on on visioning and planning where this thing could go.
0: Did you find that a hard transition to do? I know a lot of business owners, especially when you're going from a smaller team to a larger team, find it very difficult to get out of the day-to-day and start focusing on those bigger. especially when you have a passion for, for the marketing side in your case, right?
1: It, uh, it's not easy. Uh, I, I know some people think it is, but it is hard, and I see it now that we're into our own su- succession planning here, some people find it very hard to let go, and at the time I found it very hard to let go because it wasn't the way I was doing it. That's not the way I wanted to do it, but I do credit uh, you know, uh, involvement with tech and learning from, from other presidents and CEOs as to this is how you take your hands off. You have to believe in people and you have to allow them to make mistakes and that was probably one of the best lessons I ever learned.
0: And so, when you're making that transition, do you, do you, think, do you attribute some of your success uh, as Shane Holmes as a, as a, as a company to your, to your marketing kind of efforts and that sort of thing? I, for, so, for example, you know, I grew up here in Calgary. Yeah. And as far as I, as, as long as I can remember, Shane Holmes has almost been a household name, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I, as a kid, I didn't really know, you know, what you did or that sort of thing. But I knew Shane Holmes as a name. Yeah. Th- that's obviously, a, that's a huge accomplishment for, for a developer.
1: Sure it is, uh, but I didn't do it alone. You know, I, uh, I played a part in it, but we've, uh, we've had some great people work here over the years and we have even more great people moving into bigger, better roles here. So it's, uh, it's not just one thing that I did. You know, I, uh, I contributed to it, but there's a lot of people that contributed to the su- success of this company over the last 45 years.
0: Innovation is such an important thing Mm-hmm. you know how do you how do you ensure that you're staying on top of it like I said the the staying on top of you know being a recognizable household name as, as a as a developer is so is so unique and so I'm curious as to how that how you know what are some of the practices that you as well as your company kind of keep in place to to make sure that you're staying on top of the innovation side of things
1: well you really you, you have to travel around the world you have to go to various uh, courses and conferences just to stay up to date as to as to what people are looking for, but you have to do a tremendous amount of market research as well, and really, uh, really kind of dive down into what what your customers wants and needs are. You know, because it's so unique, Calgary has just become this amazing melting pot in all of Canada. You know, of different cultures. Uh, you really do have to stay on top of what what uh, what's changing in the marketplace year by year, and if you don't, eventually you fall behind and then you no longer exist. You're no longer relevant to people. So that's what we pride ourselves on. And, uh, you know, especially for the market research, that's, uh, I think, been a been a big benefit to us. We, uh, we've we done a number of listening groups with people out at show homes and uh, and with different cultures to try and understand those moments in the home. But we also do a lot of targeted uh, surveys with them throughout the entire process. And we, we really try and refine what we're doing to uh, to accommodate the times because what worked five years ago doesn't work for a customer service experience even today and that uh, that's really our end goal is uh, you know I don't want this process to be stressful for people I want it to be fun because that's what it should be you're building a dream home for them so we're one of the few uh, few groups in, all, in, uh, in Calgary that have who we call a uh, customer experience manager and she touches every part of the business, and even connects up with our uh, trade partners, to ensure that that process goes as smooth and as fun as possible.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that customer experience manager, you know, was, that, was that kind of idea of customer experience always important to you, or has that kind of been learned?
1: You know, what, my father, uh, years ago, he placed uh, the customer at the top of our organizational chart. And the only, uh, the only challenge I had with that is, although we did that, that's all that we did. We emphasized the customer, but you needed the programs and you needed to, uh, to fine tune the entire process all the way through to make it work. And that's one initiative that I've been working on since becoming president 12 years ago. And a lot of it comes down to finding the right people to help drive it, because it's not, again, it's not just me. It takes people in every end of the company who believe in this and, uh, and help contribute to it. And it takes a person like our customer experience manager to tie it all
0: together. In business, we talk about this a lot, is, is attracting the right people. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you've mentioned it several times, having the right people on the bus, essentially, that believe in the vision and, and really want to carry that out. Mm-hmm. How do you go about attracting the right people?
1: Well, apparently, social media can do that. <laughs> Because now we're starting to get people say they watched a video of mine or uh, or seen a post from Shane Holmes or uh, or, or even uh, they have a connection that they uh, they deal with on social media with uh, with either one of our salespeople or service people So it's almost a team effort there as well. And that's what draws people into our company, but you know, we're uh, We're very much about you know having a fun culture And I know a lot of businesses say that but uh, we really do try and connect with people that way. And we'll always hire for culture first even though we might be passing up you know somebody with tremendous skills if you can't fit the culture then you're not going to fit in here that that's our priority and that's how you get the best people
0: how do you foster a fun community or a fun culture
1: it starts here it starts with me yeah and it's uh, it's having those same people who you know, who want to come into work every day and have fun. They don't want to come in and be serious all the time. They don't want to be grumpy. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be the square peg in the round hole. They want to come in and they want to have fun too. We want to laugh, we want to joke, but we want to do our jobs at the same time. And we try and pass that along to our customers as well. They know that they can call us anytime. They can talk to us, you know, very openly and very honestly. And that's how you get the most out of people. But that's what makes it fun working here as well.
0: And how do you go about gathering that feedback? You know, is it is it kind of a constant feedback loop that you have that's with with your staff that you know this is this is exciting. This is what we want to do. Is there How does you, how do you go about performance and that sort of thing?
1: Uh, well, I mean, again, we go back to the uh, the surveys that we do with our customers. So I mean, we can we can kind of grade our people and our process that way. Uh, you know, we will follow up with our, uh, our staff as well, and you know, we'll try and kind of do a wellness check and just see, are we having a good time? You know, the door's always open. We don't have closed doors in this office very often, but uh, you know, you do try and keep your finger on that and, and ensure that, you know, yeah, everybody's, everybody's working hard, but everybody's having a good time doing it. You know, and that's our wellness check with them every day, every week, every year. Awesome. yeah you know, sorry one other way let me mention this is yeah you know, we do get together with our staff you know we have our own company meetings some people refer to them as a town hall we still like company meeting but we share a lot of information with them that most organizations probably wouldn't you know we talk about where we're going and how we're going to get there and what kind of role they play as a part of it and they know that they can ask any questions that uh, you know that they want about that but we also share the profitability of the company you know because they uh, they also receive a profit share that you know, they can. You know, they're uh, they're more than happy to accept. But they more than you know, honestly, they've earned it. You know, so that uh, that makes them feel good as well. But we share a lot of information. We're not keeping secrets here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're involving them throughout the whole piece.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I, th- I think it's super interesting, and, and it's also becoming more popular. I think mm-hmm. is is that transparency aspect from sure. from the business to to employees and everybody in between. Uh, why why do you choose to 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 do that? Is it is it a motivation thing? Uh,
1: well, the meeting we just we want them to know where we're going. You know, as far as the profit sharing goes, uh, they've shared in our success. You know, they've created our success. So why wouldn't you share more with them? You know, and I think that's uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, and they can apply it to whatever they want. Uh, you know, some people have purchased their dream home; they've gone on their dream vacation. Some have gone home to their own country to visit family all over again, whereas they might not have the opportunity. So you have to have something like that in place, but you have to allow them the flexibility to do all that too. We've had a few people take uh, you know time off just to just to go and travel the world for a couple of months. You know, so. That's that's really kind of what we're about is is uh, you know creating that uh, that kind of open welcoming environment, but you know allowing them the opportunity to uh, to grow with us and grow properly. But they do enjoy the profit sharing. I'll guarantee you that.
0: I bet. Um. Have you ever had a scenario? You know, there's there's always scenarios where uh, some people respond really great to some things and mm-hmm. some people don't. You know. Yes. Have you ever had a scenario where maybe this this method uh, didn't work for somebody? And how did you how did you approach that?
1: Oh well, I think that's just inherent in any business. Uh, you know, when you're always trying different things, you're going to run into roadblocks where, you know, things don't always work the best. You know, we've. Uh, We've tried to stay on the edge of technology. Uh, you know, I'll just use one quick example that, that affected our customers greatly. We moved towards uh, electric water tanks here about uh, 15 years ago. That experiment lasted about a year because the costs were uh, two to three times more and we had tremendous pushback on it. So we had to pull back on that initiative and uh, and go back to natural gas, but we, uh, you know, we had to pick up uh, pick up quite a few changes for uh, for customers to change out their old electric to uh, to a brand new natural gas hot water tank. But that's just that's what happens when you're trying to be innovative along the way. You may not uh, it may seem like a good idea initially, but you'll find out pretty quick
0: it sounds like you, you've adopted the mentality, and, and I'm the same way. Um, and I think a lot of companies aren't these days, but you know, try, innovation requires trying and failing to learn. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. 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 You, you call yourself a tech junkie. What do you mean by that?
1: Because I've never been afraid of technology. Uh, and I think that goes back to even my parents uh, when fax machines first came out. I remember my father thinking this was the greatest invention, so he went out and bought fax machines for every show home and these things were massive. They were about $5,000 at the time and this is the mid-80s, so I think this translates to about $20,000 today. But every show home had a fax because Cal wanted the paper flow to move so rapidly that they could fax a deal into him and he could approve it right there and have it back within half an hour even. So, uh, you know, you learn from that. My mother, you know, she always had uh, always had the best, fastest new computers in her office, so you just get used to that when you're growing up. Now, they, they they may have stopped at a certain point, but, you know, I certainly kept pushing forward with a lot of it, you know? I couldn't wait to get my hands on a smartphone and uh, and integrate it within the company, but, you know, playing around with different apps and trying to find a way that, you know, again, you can fit that customer experience to the point where you know they can have their information available 24/7 on their phone, and uh, and they can get a response uh, you know online in roughly 15 minutes, and it's not uh, not from somebody in India. It's actually somebody who works here who understands every subdivision and what's available and what the pricing is. So yeah, I guess that's where the tech junkie comes from. Is I encourage that, and if I live that, then generally follow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and that translates into some of the other things you do as well. You know mm-hmm. you're big on social media. Uh, talk to me about why that's important.
1: Well it started off as fun. I had to learn what this was uh, about 11-12 years ago when uh, when Twitter came into being. That was a fun learning experience <laughs> uh, and then it just expanded onto different platforms and it had always been there. But where it really took off uh, was, you know, back in 2020 when everybody's locked down and you're bored. You know, it just seemed like we came into work every day and then we went home every day, you know. Going to the grocery store was literally like going to the Emmys because you were finally getting out. But uh, I just started fooling around more and more with it, uh, trying to learn a little bit more about how the algorithms work and, and eventually graduating into video, which I wasn't too keen on at the time, but you learn. You know, and you perfect it over time and get a little bit better at it over time. So that one, uh, that one really grew, that one really expanded, but that was part of the fun of it all. It allows me to flex my creative muscles, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And under you, you mentioned understanding the algorithm and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. It all comes down to marketing, which is you know your roots too, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. You don't get to do that much when you're when you're president and CEO. <laughs> uh, what
0: what is what is kind of like what are the messages that you focus on? You know, um, business, uh, personal, whatever the case may be. What what are some of the pillars of your content?
1: Some of the pillars are you know I'm giving my opinion on things. Uh, you know, because there's a lot of things happening in the world. It seems like every day, every you know every hour there's something different that you could comment on. But, uh, you know, giving my opinion that way, sharing some of the experiences I've learned along the way, either in business or, uh, or personal life, and, uh, you know, teaching people a little bit more about uh, housing and why we do some of the things that we do here. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a lot of what I've kind of focused on and, uh, you know, people seem to like
0: it. What are your, your primary platforms that you focus on and why?
1: Uh, well, I still like Twitter, even though it's you know it's a bit of a bitch fest at times. you, know, you can't uh, you can't win with some people, but you know Instagram is still fun. You know, I uh, I quite enjoy that. LinkedIn uh, that just gives you an opportunity to share some you know some really good business advice and learn a little bit as well. I mean, if you use the platform for what it's intended, it's not just a job search platform, but you can learn a tremendous amount there. You know, so I guess without going to tech, that's where I'm learning something new all the time. You know, there's always uh, there's always a different article or a video to watch. You know, I'm not a huge Facebook fan. I don't think I totally get uh, TikTok yet. But, uh, you know, YouTube, I mean, that still gives you some great opportunities as I find myself watching videos while I'm traveling or even in the evening just to learn something new. So that's what I tend to focus on is, is all those.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned learning quite a bit in there. I'm curious mm-hmm. why, why you... You know, you, you run a successful company, you're doing all these things, but learning is still a key pillar, it sounds like. Why is that?
1: Because I don't know at all. And the world is changing so rapidly. Uh, it's, it you really have to keep up on what's what's changing out there. You know, there might be a different application that, uh, that you could apply in your company. There might be a different consultant that you should speak to. Uh, you know, one of them was actually a customer experience uh, Uh, individual who who focuses on that through her company and we brought her up here to speak at our last company meeting not only to our staff but uh, to our uh, uh, trade partners as well you know and that was that was one way that we found her was was through LinkedIn and trying to learn a little bit more about what can we do to perfect the process or at least come up with our own process that you know kind of transcends you know more than a year at a time
0: it's, you don't know what you don't know.
1: You don't know what you don't know, and uh, you can't know it all forever. And I know at some point in time I'm probably going to get old and grumpy and not want to change anymore, but there's an entirely different generation of people coming up through the ranks here, and, uh, well, they've got time, and they, uh, they've got some great ideas to learn from as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, what, are, what are some of the core values that you hold for yourself that kind of translate into, into everything that you do as well?
1: I think one of the most important ones would be uh, giving back to the community. You know, we talk about, I joke about, uh, you know, obviously we've got a profit sharing program for our staff, but that's how important the people are to us. But, you know, it, go, it goes back to a philosophy that my parents have. It's, uh, you know, you do not deserve a right to derive an income from the community without giving back to it. You know, those are words from my mother and my father, and we all, I always try and kind of live by that. You because know, we've been very fortunate over the years to be very successful at what we do, but you don't get to do that without uh, you know the uh, the people who are buying your product you know contributing to that. So we like to get back to the community, and we like to focus on uh, you know health, wellness, and education. That, those are kind of our three pillars for uh, for anything that we donate or we sponsor to, and uh, we've given back a, you know, a tremendous amount to the Calgary community or Calgary and surrounding community rather over the years.
0: The, the, the idea of giving back, I, I, I love it, and it's obviously ingrained, you know. Um, beyond, you, you talk about deriving an income from, from that without giving back is obviously in is wrong. Mm-hmm. Was that, I guess you, you learned it from your parents, so that was always important to you. Was it, was it part of the company culture as well before you took over?
1: Yes, it was. Yeah, that was, that was instilled from day one. You know, is that we weren't going to uh, we weren't going to make an income without doing that, and uh, this being our forty fifth year, we plan on doing something even more special with that.
0: Do you find the Calgary community is conducive to that kind of that? You know, it's that that element of business is, is important here.
1: Sure, it is. I think it's. Uh, I, I actually think it's important no matter where you go, but especially here, uh, people people rely on it. You know, and there's so many worthy charities out there. I mean, you'd love to be able to give to all of them, but you just can't. But at least if, uh, if you set the example for it, I think, I think businesses will follow. And that's really, uh, you know, besides giving back to the charity, that's one other thing that we hope uh, that encourages is other businesses to give back, no matter how, how big or how small.
0: Yeah, it's it, Calgary business as, as a whole, you, know, you, you mentioned off-camera that, that Calgary is obviously you know, your main market and then mm-hmm. Airdrie as well. Um, how, is, how important has you know, this foundation been to your business?
1: Uh, it's been crucial because now I can put my mother and father over there and they can focus on the charities that they really want to, uh, to take care of. But we, we, uh, we have the Cal Wenzel Family Foundation and they, uh, they do give a tremendous amount away that way. And you've seen a lot of those endeavors up at the uh, the foothills hospital with uh, the the Wenzel Precision Health Clinic, but you know through the Shane Holmes group of companies, we tend to focus a little bit more on uh, you know on the general community. So you'll likely find us at you know a few quite a few of the uh, the recreation centers around the city of Calgary and and in Airdrie. You know that's a great uh, great place to reinvest back in the community and help help them continue to grow.
0: And how do you select these these organizations?
1: With a great deal of difficulty, because <laughs> you could literally get uh, you could literally get about 10, uh, 10 requests a week. So you have to try and find some happy balance. So we'll get together and we'll discuss it, uh, you know, as as regularly as possible, usually every month, and uh, and try and determine, you know, what what kind of fits with uh, within our own criteria. Like I said, you'd love to be able to give to all of them, but you just can't.
0: Um, passion is extremely important in business, mm-hmm. you know, uh, business, well, personal life and business. I, I'm curious as to how you find alignment between, you know, what you love to do and how you, how you, how you go about that in your business as well.
1: I think it's different for everyone. Uh, you certainly have to be passionate about what you're doing and on a professional basis. If you're not, then I would suggest moving on, go into a different career because, you know, it's not going to be fun otherwise. You know, this is, uh, this is fun because it's forever changing. You know, there's so many different aspects to uh, building and development that, you know, it seems like every day there's a different challenge and, uh, you know, you, some you can navigate through relatively easy and others, you know, can be incredibly difficult, but another learning experience. But, uh, you know, I enjoy the challenge uh, personally, but for anybody else out there, like I said, you've got to be passionate about what you're doing or quite honestly move on. You're going to be happier at the end of the day. And
0: mm-hmm. in spe- leaning into that, where do you personally get fulfillment out of what you do every day?
1: Well, I get fulfillment out of the fact that we're we're creating dream homes for people. You know, and each and e- each and every one of them is different, unique, because we uh, we've managed to meld a production process in with a customization process, and we've uh, we've perfected that over the last forty-five years, but when you see people move into their homes and you see some of the pictures and you and you and you receive some of the emails or the letters or the comments even online through social media i mean that's fulfilling because they're happy and we know at that point that we've we've done the best job we possibly can you know that's really what you're working towards at the end of the day
0: yeah yeah you're not you're selling homes but the result is is happiness sure it is
1: and it's the largest purchase they're ever going to make in their lives. So, I mean, we've got to be on the, we've got to be on our best every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was that always important to you, you know, um, just making people happy? Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what that's what uh, a lot of businesses strive to do and, and, you know, some fall flat. But it seems like you get to do that every day and you're glowing because of it.
1: That's, well, that's always been the goal. You know, we... Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we have a simple philosophy uh, that, we, that we give to our staff, and, it, and it's simply put to be the best you can be. That's it. You know, that's our focus every day. Just be the best you can be. And we know that we're not going to be perfect all the time, and we know that we're going we're gonna to make mistakes along the way, too. You know, how we handle it, how do, how do we deal with those mistakes? I mean, that's really what's important. But you know, we still want to get to that end goal. We uh, we want to turn over you know what we think is the perfect house and and uh, you know and have the happiest customers around.
0: Have speaking into, into mistakes or uh, have there been any mistakes that you've made as a company that can that uh, you're comfortable speaking about that? Oh sure. That you've learned you've learned from and maybe how you pivoted.
1: Oh yeah, there's always there's always some there's lots. The website wasn't one of them. <laughs> even though I was told that for eight years. Uh, no, I think the, the biggest mistake we probably made, uh, and we learned it along the way, was we're great at what we do. We're great at being that production home builder with that customization process. We are not a great custom home builder. We're not geared up for that. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when you're getting into very large homes in the millions and millions of dollars, uh, we've tried to tackle that market twice as we didn't learn the first time. Uh, we tried to tackle that twice and we failed miserably two times because we're just not geared up for that. We don't have the right salespeople. We don't have the right trade partners as a base. Uh, we're, very, we're used to a very, uh, very quick turnaround in our process and we know that we perfected that and that process there requires a lot of hand-holding and you have to be very meticulous in the work that you do or you're going to fail at it. So yeah, we literally failed at that two times, and we've learned our lesson, and we've packed our tail between our legs, and we'll never go back that way. <laughs> but the others, we've uh, we've done extremely well. Uh, you know, that's just business. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you always see yourself? Uh, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but going into business—and if so, did you know that this would be it? Or you know, maybe even in the future, do you consider doing other things? What, would, where do you sit on all that?
1: Well, I would say in the beginning, uh, no, I wasn't totally convinced. You know, I was in the—I uh, was in the business as a, as a marketing coordinator, and you're never sure what that looks like down the line. You're never sure if you should uh, pursue a different career. I know my mother was always disappointed that I didn't follow up in a career with, uh, with comic book art or, in, or even in broadcasting because she felt that's where I should have been. And uh, it turns out, you know, it, that over time I just I had an opportunity to flex that creativity here. And, uh, well, I mean, now I get to, you know, play around on social media. So that really opens up a few doors. But the, the business just became more interesting as it, it started to grow. And uh, I developed a passion for it. Like I said, there's a different challenge every day and you have to tackle that and, and uh, you know, I, I think that's part of the fun in all of it is you know, give me a challenge and uh, you know, I'll, try, I'll take it on. It keeps things interesting. Where would I go in the future? Well, eventually I'm gonna have to slow down. Like I said, you know, I don't think anybody can stay fresh forever. I can't occupy the president's chair forever. And uh, at some point in time, somebody else is gonna have to take up that mantle because I might not be able to keep things, you know, changing according to the marketplace. So I'm prepared to step aside at some point for that. It might be in the next five years. You know, and I'll just sit as CEO or, or even, uh, you know, ch- be, uh, be a part of the, uh, the family board.
0: You mentioned comic book art in there. Yeah. What did you, what, was that something that you were into?
1: Uh, yeah, it was because I uh, I collected comics for a number of years when I was younger, and uh, you know I always loved getting lost in the fantasy of it all. But uh, you know I was always uh, more creative with uh, with artwork, and you know comic book art was right up my alley. You know I still do it on occasion, but not as much as I did back then. And I, again, that's where I think my mother was most disappointed. She thought I would pursue a career that way. Wow. Sorry, mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also broadcast. It's funny, we were when we were doing some prep for this, um, you know, we were listening to some, pri- some of your prior, uh, prior talks and, and yes. that sort of thing, and, and you're incredible, and it comes so naturally to you.
1: I know, I'm getting in shit for not pursuing that still, but you know, she's laying off after this many years, finally.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, it's funny, because that's, that's kind of what, the way it went. You know, as a, as a president and CEO, you get to do a lot of media opportunities. Is that something that you're passionate about, or is it just something that you're good at and it's part of the job?
1: No, I think I'm I mean, gonna I have to say I'm passionate about it. It's uh, it's kind of fun. It's another one of those different challenges. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, it really kind of kicked into gear. Uh, you know, in early two thousand or two thousand twenty when we're in lockdown, and I wasn't totally comfortable in front of the camera. I mean, there were there was a little bit of fumbling and you know trying to make home videos while learning how to cut things together properly or at least do it all in one take was a bit of a challenge. But I think that. Uh, you know, you learn over time and, uh, and you become better at it. It's like anything you try. You know, it's just repetition, 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 and you'll get better at it.
0: Yeah, awesome. So beyond Shane, you're also part of Build, uh, you have some political involvement, mm-hmm. um, you do some, some advisory work as well. Yes. Talk to me about how you manage all of these different things that you do and, you know, where do you put your priorities and how do you manage your time?
1: It's a great deal of difficulty. It's finding a happy balance. Uh, I was involved with Build on the board for, uh, for about 14 years. I just recently, I, did, I won't say resigned, I just didn't run again. Because after fourteen years, I think that's more than enough uh, I, I, I don't think anybody should stay in a board position for more than eight, nine, possibly ten years uh, not to say that my best before date was done, not to say that they didn't want me to come back, but I think fourteen's enough yeah you know, i uh, I contributed what I could and it's time for another generation to uh, to do their part you know with AEG uh, being a board member there that uh, gives me more of a provincial perspective, so I can you know, again learn from different people from different industries and uh, and understand the uh, the issues that they have and you know how the provincial or federal government can help kind of craft policy that makes uh, makes sense for business and the political involvement that's always been something that uh, that my family's been involved with you know my mother's a good old Saskatchewan girl so she remembers uh, you know her uh, her father my grandfather uh you know taking her to vote the first time she turned eighteen you know it was uh, it was it was just something that was talked about around the table in saskatchewan, so it became a conversation you know around the table here growing up.
0: So, And when you're doing all of these things, is it, is it, uh, does it come naturally to just kind of de- decide what, how you're going to spend your time on any given day, or does it require a lot of prioritization? It
1: requires a lot of prioritization. Uh, you know, again, I'm trying to, trying to fulfill a role here. We're trying to expand the company. You know, so you're, you're playing visionary, and you're, you're kind of hand-holding. You're not as involved in the day-to-day, but then you're trying to find a happy balance between I have an obligation here on this board... You have, you know, people, uh, you know, looking, looking for opportunities to, you know, even get an hour with you just to have a coffee and, and pick your brain about your experiences, which I'm more than happy to do. But, you know, I think the first year I did that was during lockdowns, and, uh, you know, it was 42 times. that was a little much. You know, but it was something I was willing to do because you're, you know, you have people asking for, uh, for your time. So why not?
0: Mm-hmm. Does it ever feel like too much your workload?
1: Oh sure, it does. You know, some days you feel exactly you know, absolutely exhausted, and there's you kind of ask yourself, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, and I guess I uh, I look at it and say, well, your career is only for so long, and you might as well just take advantage of it while you can and give the most you can because I can slow down and I can relax later on if I feel like it. You know, so that's uh, that's really I guess the way I look at it. Although I am getting to the point where it's, you know, taking a little more time for myself is definitely a priority.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, recharging is, in, is integral to showing up every day, right? To the sure best of is. your ability. How do you do that?
1: Uh, I make sure I get the hell out of here for you know, every three months, you know, just even for a week, you know, and, uh, you know, leave technology where it is. And, you know, I'm not answering phone calls. I'm not checking emails. Uh, At most, I might take a peek at a few things on social media. Other than that, you know, I really want to just kind of disconnect. Just, you know, really kind of take in the moment. But, you know, shutting down here, you know, it certainly helps helps the mind. It helps the body. But every quarter you've got to do that. I would recommend that to anyone.
0: Are there any specific techniques, you know, you mentioned hi- like a kind of a hiatus kind of idea where you could mm-hmm. just take a full break. Are there any texni- techniques that you apply on like a daily basis that, that you know, maybe you, maybe you take five minutes, whatever the case may be, that, that you might recommend to people?
1: Yeah, I develop. it's having that routine in the morning. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, just taking a time just to kind of focus on, in on, you know, what am I doing today and not having any interruptions. And yeah, uh, you know, making the adjustments that you have to, but you know, just for lack of a better term, call it even a meditation, so to speak. It's not a quiet meditation where I'm sitting in a room with no noise, but I just have a routine, you know, and it includes a coffee, and and it just requires quiet time, you know, just so you can kind of set your set yourself up for the day and properly.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the co- the coffee thing that came about during COVID. You know, when you, when you going out with with people that were asking that sort of thing. You said forty two is definitely a lot. Yes. Um, are there are there sacrifices like that that you've had to make along the way to to continue to grow your business? Where you know you've had to say no to those coffees in the past and that sort of thing. And what, what does that look like?
1: Oh sure, I mean no one can do forty two of them. I just I was letting loose just to you know call it doing a little bit of market research. And I mean, I would say that most of the interactions were hugely beneficial. It's it's not only giving of yourself, but you actually learn a few things along the way too. You never know how that connection's gonna benefit you. You know, some of them weren't as uh, as fulfilling as what you'd hope, but give or take, the the vast majority, I would say 85% of them were phenomenal. You know, but you've, uh, you know, I, I learned that, you know, you have to curb that a little bit because, you know, you're. You find different priorities, like expanding the group of companies to a different city and, uh, and expanding what we're doing here as well with our multifamily division and land division. So every year, every, it, there just seems to be different priorities and you have to find a happy balance for what they are. But that is still definitely a part of it. Call it a, a kind of a soft way of mentoring.
0: We were talking about tech earlier, but I'm curious um, you mentioned you're no longer part of tech specifically, but are there any other like kind of you know, I read about advisory on your website and that sort of thing. Do you, do you take part in either mentoring or being mentored or anything like that currently?
1: Uh, no, I don't do any, do any direct mentoring other than with the, uh, the people here. Again, we're, for us, we're, uh, we're at the, <laughs> I hate to say it <laughs> the family members are kind of at that age and stage where uh, we're getting older. And a few of us are going to, you know, step aside over the next uh, next few years. So trying to mentor uh, our executive team and, uh, and some of our GMs to, to step up. You know, so that's kind of the mentoring that I do. Uh, you know, like I said, with the coffee appointments, you could call those, you know, soft mentoring sessions. And, uh, and that's about, <laughs> about all the time I have to focus in on those right now. But well worth it. Well worth it.
0: Do you find that you get just as much as you give when you're doing these mentoring sessions? Even, you know, they come to you as kind of the student, if you will, but sure. sometimes through those conversations, you learn things as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's, uh, it's the one sentence or the one paragraph or the, or the one thoughtful uh, conversation that you have that makes it all worthwhile. I mean, when you know that you've made an impact on people and all you've had to do is share an hour and a coffee with them, uh, that's really giving back, you know, that's how I'd like my Dash to be remembered.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you still, you were speaking earlier as well about, um, you know, working with your father. Yes. Is he still involved and what does that relationship look like? <laughs>
1: yes, he is. Uh, at the ripe old age of 80, he's still involved in the business. He still comes in every day and, uh, and we still have great conversations about where to go with it. And, and in some cases, you know, we'll butt heads, but not very often. Yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, he started it and, uh, you know, he grew it to a certain point and my job was always to grow it even further, you know, and that's where the group of companies came from over the last 12 years. We expanded our uh, development portfolio, we expanded into multifamily. Uh, you know, Cal spends a special amount of time on the foundation, on investments, and, uh, you know, will poke his nose in on the other business aspects on occasion. But you know, he, 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 you'll never get him to fully retire, and I wouldn't expect him to. Uh, you know, he, he's, too, he's not too passionate, he's very passionate about all of this. This is, this is kind of his second baby, and uh, you know, he's loved watching it grow.
0: That's interesting, you mentioned that. Sometimes when, uh, does it ever feel like, a, like an overstep, or what does that fi- family dynamic look like in business? That's always interesting for me to hear about.
1: I think it's an overstep. Uh, it's, uh, well, I think it's unique in any family business. I mean, I've, you know, certainly in tech, uh, there were a few involved there and, you know, some were, there, there was a tremendous amount of animosity uh, here. I don't, we don't have that. We get along relatively well, most of us, and or most of us, uh, we, we all get along relatively well. Uh, we don't overlap on uh, on various areas, but you know, we understand our place, and we, uh, and we just try and work towards you know, being the best we can be every day and setting an example within the company.
0: How do you manage that conflict when it does come about, especially between family members, potentially?
1: You know, each situation's unique. Each situation's unique, and you have to just kind of refer back to the fact that although it's a family business, it's a business first and foremost. You know, so you almost operate with, uh, with kind of a family code of conduct and, uh, and you have to recognize that, you know, we all have roles in the company and, you know, the role as a business overrules any family relationship that way. That's how you manage it the best and, you know, I mean, oddly enough, you know, that kind of criteria came out of, uh, came out of tech with one of the members there where we talked about, you know, having that uh, family code of conduct you know, to try and manage it and, you know, I'll never forget that and it's worked well for us ever since.
0: Do you mind diving a little bit into that, what that family code of contact looks like?
1: Well, what it looks like is, you know, if you do have a conflict, then it's, again, it's resolved within, you know, kind of the family circle, but everybody knows their role and they know that, great, you know, we can all say we're family and we can all talk about business and we can all get together, you know, throughout the holidays or on trips or lots of things as family. but if you have a family member who reports to somebody and uh, you know in the company uh, for lack of a better term you can't you can't try and overrule them you can't be a little shit and uh, and cause problems there is there is a hierarchy and you do have to follow that and if you don't well you know you could be asked to leave that's all there is to it you know and that's uh, that's how you manage it as best as you can and i mean it might create some hard feelings with, uh, with certain family members, but it's a business first and foremost.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, you hear horror, horror stories about families going into business together and that yeah. sort of thing. And it's maybe because their priorities aren't in the same place or the understanding, you know, um, it's different if, if it's personal first or... You know, I think
1: any parent, if they've started a business, I mean, they're a lot of them would, would prefer that their, uh, their kids take over the businesses, but they're not necessarily the best to take over the business. And I think that's where a family board would even come in handy is develop that, give everybody an update, keep them involved that way. If they want to be more involved or hands-on, perfect. You know, that's, uh, that's the ultimate dream, but they better be the most capable. You know, and that, uh, even for me, that, uh, that was part of the criteria. I had to be the most capable to take over the company because if I wasn't, I'd put 132 people out of work. I don't want that on my shoulders, you know, I want to make sure that they're, they're always working and we're growing and they're growing along with us, but that's a big responsibility.
0: Was there a point in time when you were transitioning from marketing to, to you know, potentially taking the president's the president seat that you knew that that's what you wanted to do?
1: Well, I knew I wanted to do it. I was scared as hell to do it. You know, and that, uh, I guess that's what made it, you know, one hell of a good challenge. Uh, you because know, you're never sure if you're capable of it. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, I, I think my biggest challenge was I was always comparing myself to my father. You know, what would he do? How would he handle it? Which is okay to a certain point, but eventually you have to kind of stand on your own two feet and you have to make the unpopular decision and you have to butt heads with them just, uh, I guess, just to move the, uh, the company in the right direction. Like I mentioned before, that has happened on occasion. It doesn't happen very often, you know, because we uh, you know, we keep in, in, in really close contact and we do agree on a lot of things.
0: You mentioned kind of, you know, asking what yourself what your what your father would do. I'm curious. Did you ever experience imposter syndrome or anything like that, or do you?
1: I think that's exactly what it was at the time, you know. And that's uh, that was probably the first couple of years of it. You have that self doubt, and and uh, and you're never really you never really yourself. You're you're making decisions that that they would make, and you're responding the way they would respond, rather than being your own person and trying to kind of come out of your shell, so to speak. And again, I think I, I'll go back and I will credit you know, Tech Canada and, and uh, the friendships that I developed there in, in kind of coming out of that. I think that, uh, that was probably one of the best improvements or the best experiences I've had and that, uh, that gets you away from being the imposter for sure. Now I have a, a son that I have to deal with that way, you know, but at least I know, and, uh, you know and I can kind of help him navigate that as well.
0: Is, is there any, you attributed tech, which is incredible, but is there any specific things that they, uh, they, they taught you in how to, how, how to go about that, how to challenge those kind of, those self-limiting beliefs, potentially?
1: Well, I mean, with, with, with tech, it was a very structured approach. Uh, we, every day, or every day, every month, we would have a meeting. And uh, every couple of months, we would each bring an issue, a pressing issue, uh, to put out in front of the group. You know, and we had to have that in four days prior to the uh, the session so everybody had time to read up on it. You were expected to read up on it and you could be dealing with uh, upwards of six of these every session and I think that was, uh, that was the best way to go about it. That was the best experience. It wasn't just one individual. I mean, there were obviously bits and pieces from everyone that contributed but those, I guess, business cases were the ones that that, that, that kind of gave you the most direction, whether it was your issue or not, you could take something from that and apply it to your own business. And you had the best minds. you had your informal board giving you the best advice, that would be it.
0: Right, awesome. Um, you, you've hinted and we talked a little bit off camera about uh, expansion. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned also 45 years. So, congrats on 45 years. Thank you. Um, and, but you've been in Calgary and area for for that for that duration, mm-hmm. and now uh, you are headed.
1: Not north. It's too damn cold up there. We're going south. We're going down to Dallas. You know, we were uh, we we wanted a second uh, city uh, as part of the company for a number of years, and uh, we had hoped it would be uh, Nashville, but we uh, we probably missed the boat on that one, but. Yeah, you know, we have some, uh, you know, some good business partners down in Dallas, and the opportunity presented itself, and uh, we decided to take it. You know, so we were just down there; we were just visiting with our new general manager for uh, for our Dallas division, and uh, he appears like he's going to fit in well with our culture, and uh, we should have show home started in September. We'll be ready to go.
0: Awesome.
1: Back to the wild, wild west, so to speak.
0: <laughs> no doubt. What, what was the driving factor of that decision? Was it just like that was the right market and you've always kind of been looking or, or now was the time for whatever reason?
1: That was always the right market. Believe it or not, that was actually one of my goals out of tech many years ago was I wanted that second city. Uh, you know, but as you, you know, I mean, we, uh, we, we, we would motor through our uh, strategic planning sessions, but we always had other priorities kind of getting in the way of that and for good reason. You know, we didn't have a multifamily division. You could see that happening in the marketplace more so. Uh, you know, so we took baby steps to building up our multifamily division. Land, well, of course, if we don't have land, where are we building? Uh, so that took priority as well, and uh, and uh, and that customer experience. So we had to get those priorities out of the way first, and then we started to look. And believe it or not, we were we were close. We were close on Nashville. Our land guy was ready to go down there and he had three parcels to pick from in March of 2020. And then the world shut down. (laughs) You know, it seemed like a second city was jinxed at this point because I couldn't in good conscience send them down there when you had no idea what you were gonna open up to. You know, were people gonna be so scared that they wouldn't come out and buy? Uh, You know, and within the first month of dealing with COVID protocols and various lockdowns, I had to reassure our staff here that they would still have a job even if we just broke even. It wasn't about making a profit that year, it was about taking care of our own. So we shelved the idea. We put the idea on hold, and uh, when we opened up, it wasn't immediate, but within a few months, boom. You know, the market exploded, and uh, and things took off, and you know, again, Nashville just kind of sat on the shelf, and by the time we got back down there, uh, what was that, about 14 months ago, Nashville had, had exploded as well. Raw land pricing tripled, and we would have been getting into the market at the wrong time. You know, so we started venturing out, looking at other areas like the Carolinas, and uh, and Dallas was on the list, and like I said, we had a good business partner from here in Calgary uh, who uh, who offered to take us around and show us some of the things they were doing, and we uh, we came to an agreement. So here we go here we down go. to Dallas.
0: <laughs> awesome. It's it sounds like you know to to be in this market, you have to you have to really be have your finger on the pulse in regards to opportunities and that sort of thing.
1: Sure, you do. How yeah.
0: do you how do you ensure that you're you're always on top?
1: Well, again, you have to uh, do a tremendous amount of market research, and there's uh, there's a lot of valuable resources out there that we can tap into to find out which markets are, are kind of on the cusp. Those are available to you, but uh, you gotta be brave. You gotta be willing to go for it. And in our business, you have to be well-funded to do it as well, uh, you know, because it's, it's, it's not inexpensive to be a home builder, let alone a developer as well. But, uh, you know, starting off with, you know, securing uh you know about 5 million dollars worth of lots that are going to be paid out before you're done even completed the house and you've only got 5% down from your customer. <laughs> so it's a very expensive game to play and uh, and you have to manage that extremely well. You know, so we're uh you know we, we we devoted a a certain amount of money down to uh to Dallas to get it started off and we have a plan, you know, with any luck within the next 5-6 years we'll uh We'll reach that capacity that we want. Awesome.
0: You you mentioned that uh, that Dallas was a part of your goal, which I find super fascinating, <laughs> even from back in tech. Um, how important is goal setting?
1: I do it every year. I would encourage everybody to do it. You know, personally, professionally, uh, for your business, uh, and especially for your family. You know, don't do too many of them. Uh, have three goals for each as a maximum. Maybe only two. Because yeah, you want something that you can achieve within a year. You don't want to go through this entire or try and go through this entire list and you know, have half of them that you haven't had a chance to start. But set it every year. It doesn't have to happen in December. It could happen in February. But you know, put a 12-month timeline on it and, and follow through. Look at it every day. It could be part of your coffee or your meditation in the morning. Just to remind yourself, this is where I'm trying to go and this is how I'm going to get there. Yeah, you know, but I would stick to those uh, those four kind of core core areas. You know, that to me is how you're going to find balance because you know you don't want to forget about your family along the way. You you have to take care of yourself personally, but professionally you want growth and you want your business to grow as well.
0: So checking back, do you, you know that, that check back on uh, during your coffee, for example, mm-hmm. would that be um, you know making sure that every decision that you that you make that day is kind of adhered to these goals? Or?
1: They're part of it for sure. You know, some of them are just general tasks that you've got to get out of the way, and others are uh, are those big lofty goals where you know it might be one little thing to kind of kind of move the needle towards uh, towards that goal. Like Dallas is a great example. You know. You needed a business plan. You can't just go in there and buy a bunch of lots and hope for the best. You have to go out with a, with a plan. You have to procure some financing. You have to, uh, have to uh, take a long-term look at it and say, this is where I want to be in the next five years. You know, So, yeah, you add little bits and pieces to that every day, every month, every year. And eventually you do get there. It just takes a while.
0: Awesome. Shane, what does success look like to you?
1: Well... Yeah, you know, I guess uh, if I look at success, I'll look at success kind of towards the end of my career. You know, I wanna I wanna say that I grew this thing. I wanna say that it was successful, and uh, we learned a lot along the way. But we had a hell of a lot of fun along the way too. You know, we, all the I wanna have these fond memories of uh, of my career and my life, and uh, and uh, you know, hopefully I didn't miss a moment of it. You invariably do, but you know, you want to take in as much as you possibly can. So at the end of all of it, yeah, that's where I'd like to have been. No regrets.
0: hundred percent. What's next for you? So obviously we talked a little bit about Dallas. Um, wh- you know, what, what? where is your time going? What's next for you? What, where, where can we follow you?
1: That's a good question. I'm not sure I even know what that is yet, but you know, I'm gonna continue to focus on, you know, growing the group of companies. You know, it's, uh, it started off as you know simply building single-family homes. I want to see the uh, the multi-family grow. I think we want to add uh, you know purpose-built rentals into that as well. You know I want to pick up uh, you know where my fathers left off with uh, with investments and you know start looking into what else that could possibly be. You know the world uh, the world is changing every day, so it's hard to tell. You know, 30 years ago when I, a uh, uh, little over 30 years ago, when I came into the company, I couldn't have told you what it was going to look like. So, you know, another, uh, another 20, 30 years from now, who knows what it'll look like? Will it even be home building or what will that look like? That's the big challenge. You know, is it going to end up just being a pod for people to live in uh, that we just move around from site to site to site? I don't know. Maybe it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just take your pod with you. I'll just stick you on a different piece of dirt.
0: <laughs> That's the exciting piece about innovation in general, like bringing yeah. it full circle, right? Is that you never, like you said, you didn't know what, what the plan was at the beginning, or sorry, not the plan, but what, what was to come. Yes. And uh, And now fast forward, you know, 30 years, and who knows?
1: Who knows? Maybe we'll build airports. I don't know. Maybe the airport won't matter anymore. <laughs> Maybe people will be content just kind of, you know, going through a transit system somewhere, a hyperloop. I don't know, but... You know what the fun part is, is uh, never knowing and always trying to lead it, always trying to innovate it. That's the fun part.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, where can we send people to follow along your journey and and continue the conversation?
1: Oh, if they want to hunt me down, I've made it really simple. It's just Shane Wenzel, you know, at Shane Wenzel on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I Couldn't do that on TikTok because some little turd who was 17 years old took it already, but I got the real Shane Wenzel. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but generally, that's where you can find me, just add Shane Wenzel.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Shane. It was incredible speaking with you, and Did I'm you? sure there's going to be so many people that derive value from from what you had to say. So. That's great. Aiden, thanks for having me. Thank you.